Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the Dude. Hey, bartender. Pass me a drink. A reason that I'm here. Because I need time to think. Welcome back to Hey, Bartender Podcast. Bartenders, servers, flight attendants, uh, you know, anybody that works out there. Uh, love to come on here, tell you guys some stories, and, uh, you know, just shoot the shit. I'm your host, Anthony. You can call me the dude. I'm completely cool with that. Uh, how's everybody doing? It's uh, the day before St. Patrick's Day when I recorded this. So hopefully everybody has a good St. Patrick's Day. Hopefully you didn't get pinched too much unless you're into that sort of thing. Um, you know, and hopefully uh, the next day you don't wake up with a green tongue while greeting your boss. Remember, if you want to follow Hey Bartender Podcast, all you have to do is jump on the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. You follow me at Hey Bartender Podcast. You can email me, dude, at Hey Bartender Podcast. And if, you know, you just want to drop a quick voice message that I can use on the air, if you have a question, if you have a statement or something like that, Head on over to anchor.fm and I will, you know, if you look on there, there's a button marked message. You just click on that button. You can record a message to send to me directly. Uh, it'd be awesome to be able to play some of your comments or on the show and, uh, you know, get a little back and forth going because uh, I want to start doing these quick shot episodes again. I haven't done one in quite a while, have I? But every once in a while, people do send me messages, send me links, send me videos, send me TikToks. And, uh, you know, I haven't talked about anybody's TikToks. Uh, some people, uh, I try to communicate with them because they send me a video of themselves to, uh, doing a drink or something like that or show themselves at work. I try to invite them on the podcast, but they never message back. Um, you know, it uh, must be tough out there for social media people because... You know, when you get really popular, you have uh, over 100,000 followers. Uh, you must get inundated with uh, messages all the time. And so probably some of them slip through the cracks. So totally understandable. Uh, but uh, if you want to be on the show, all you have to do is message me one way or another. And I will make it happen because I love talking to people. But today, it's all about me. I'm just going to talk myself. People send me uh, videos, like I said, and I ran across this video that uh, a friend sent me, and uh, I got addicted. I started watching other clips of this particular show, and it was a nightmare. And, you know, it's just how, why, it's, ah. Now, what I'm talking about is that... uh, show called Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay. I got uh, sent a couple videos, and okay, I'm not into reality shows. I can't stand them. Uh, I know that most of the producers set the drama up in order to make good TV. 
or what they consider good TV. But to actually know that these restaurants actually exist out there makes me sick to my stomach. And I want to talk to you guys a little bit about it. Okay, I said I got addicted to it and I watched a couple episodes. I watched uh, some of the episodes. I only watched two and that was enough for me. And okay, let's let's start talking about the type of people that I saw on these two episodes. The owners of the restaurants were people that had never run a restaurant before in their life. They just all of a sudden woke up one morning and said, "I want to run a restaurant." And uh, they just decided to throw things together. They probably got a business loan. They and uh, one of them runs. One runs the kitchen. One of it. They know nothing, zero, zip, zilch, about running a restaurant. And you know, if, if I named these particular episodes, uh, they would probably, you know, at least one of them would probably come after me saying that's not true. They uh, kitchen nightmares set us up to fail. Uh, with the clips that I saw, uh, they weren't setting you up to fail. You've already failed. So now. Here's the situation. There's uh, the first one that I saw. These this uh, these this couple decided to open a bed and breakfast. They thought it would be uh, charming, elegant, and uh, all that sort of thing. And you know they were charging outrageous prices to uh, stay in their hotel and a minimum of three nights and gourmet meals being served there. For outrageous prices, you know, and because why? Because it's fancy. And, you know, I'm sitting there watching it and I'm spotting these things before the cameras start to make a big deal about it, before Gordon Ramsay starts to make a big deal about it. And they're uh, seating like 15 tables all at once and expecting all of the, uh, the, all the servers which they only had maybe one or two uh, to serve the tables or get the orders right away and then send it back to the kitchen where they only have one cook. That is meant for disaster. And I was, I even, I was like, no, whoa, Hey, you can't do that. And you know, one at a time, one at a time. And you know, they get the customers were sitting at the table going, I haven't gotten my order yet or, uh, other customers saying this is cold, and but uh, you know the the bosses were standing around there with this their chip on their shoulder, thinking that they know exactly what they're doing. So uh, and degrading and uh, uh, and demeaning the their servers for not operating the way they thought they should. And so you know the owners are trying to entertain the people by pointing out the what they called priceless artwork on the walls and trying to tell them where it's from and what century it was painted. Yeah, I, I loved the part later on in the episode where Gordon Ramsay brought in a person to uh, evaluate because the restaurant was losing money, and the only way that Gordon Ramsay said, in order to get your capital back, you're going to need to sell some of your uh, so-called priceless artwork. Yeah, he brought somebody to appraise it, but all their so-called priceless artwork worth shit. Absolutely shit. They were all copies. They were all bogus. And but they're sitting there thinking, well, well, no, this is a priceless artwork, uh, you know, made in the 18th century. And then the woman starts pointing out, no, this was painted in uh, 1992, 
and you know, you know, here's the receipt from Goodwill on the back of it, you know, that sort of thing. No, I'm exaggerating, but you get what I mean. And the most horrible thing that I saw, I saw the servers working their hardest. I saw the single gourmet chef in the back getting completely pummeled by all these orders. And eventually Gordon Ramsay is just, just like, okay, everybody stop, give the kitchen 10 minutes to catch up. And because the food that was coming out was completely awful. Well, everything's awful to Gordon Ramsay. I mean, uh, uh, you know, it was, it's funny about Gordon Ramsay because, uh, most of his early work on television, he came off as a big asshole and well, he still does come off as a big asshole, except when I saw him work with children, I was actually fascinated when I heard about the show, they, uh, they said he's going to be working with children, teaching them how to cook. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It, but he actually turned out to be a pretty decent guy. But, um, the thing that disgusted me is these servers were, uh, working their hardest and, you know, just doing the best that they could and the cook was doing the best he could. And for, to, all to find out at the end of the episode, towards the end of the episode, that the servers told Gordon Ramsay they didn't get tipped. The reason uh, reasoning behind it, the manager said himself, they'll get their tips when they've earned it. And, you know, okay, that pissed me off. I was like, what the hell? They earn their tips by waiting the tables. It's not a matter of uh, whether you think they should deserve to get their tips or not. And uh, it's they've, they're doing the work. Funniest part, I laughed my ass off. Gordon Ramsay sat down with the guy and said, you don't tip your servers. And he goes, well, when they've earned their tips, I believe if I have to serve their uh, help them serve their table when you seat 15 tables at once. Yeah, they your server's going to need help. But he says when I feel uh feel like that they've earned it from that table, if I don't have to help them at all, they can have the tip otherwise I get it. And uh why should I have to work so uh work so hard and and he says so none of your servers got tips. And he goes, "Oh yeah, they got their tips. It was a part of the bill." And uh Gordon Ramsay said they've never received it. And he goes, well, I told the, I told the people that uh, came into our restaurant that night, make sure you tip the server. And he's like, they never got it. So I want you to bring one, one of your friends that were on, uh, that were eating that night to, uh, I want you to put, get them on the phone and tell me what they tipped. And the guy stupidly put it on speaker and said, Hey, did you tip your server? And they said, I gave you the money. You didn't give it to them? And that was just like, boom, crash, thunder, boom. And, uh, and yeah, and this guy's all of a sudden worried that, uh, that Gordon Ramsay's going to talk trash about his bed and breakfast. Well, if you ask me, you deserve it, uh, uh, because you're treating your servers like crap and you know, you're holding that against them. Yeah, and not to mention that uh, one of them worked in a hotel at one time. Okay, that's his hospitality experience. And the other one was like a uh, accountant or something like that. And they had absolutely no idea. You don't sit 15 people or 15 tables at one time. You don't take orders from 15 tables all at one time. 
it's uh, because that you're just setting yourself up to fail. That's it. And unless you're doing some kind of banquet type of thing where everybody eats the same thing, then you're going to be okay. But when you set all those people down and not to mention, take away your service servers tips, that is ridiculous that, you know, the money that they earned to, uh, to work on that table gets taken away from them. Now there are people uh, probably listening to the podcast right now and other countries, mostly probably um, that like, uh, I don't work for tips. Well, uh, you people in other countries are lucky enough to make a livable wage waiting tables or bartending here in America. It doesn't happen. There's a lot of screwy things that are happening out here. Uh, I could point out a couple corporate agencies out there that basically their their servers tips pay their uh, pay their cooks wages. You know they cut the uh, the cook pay down, and so they told their servers you have to give this percentage of your sales to the cook, and uh, to the point where the servers out here sometimes go home in the negative. They didn't you know they they made. Uh, you know, not only did they have to drive to work that day and spend the money on gas, but they had to tip out all of their, uh, all the kitchen staff, whoever else. And all of a sudden they realized I have no money left. They did not make any money that day. And not to mention, they have to go to an ATM just to make sure that they pay off all the other people in the restaurant. And so you're losing that money that day. And I'm sure those people that worked in that fancy bed and breakfast uh, lost money uh, just driving out there. And the way they were acting, I'm pretty sure they didn't make a decent wage. So, but they were sitting there and they just kind of sat there and accepted it. Well, he doesn't give us tips because he doesn't think we earned it. That is absurd. The other one I watched was a pretty famous one, pretty popular one. Uh, This couple... Uh, decided one morning I want to God gave me the power to cook. So I want to open a restaurant. And so the, uh, the couple opened a restaurant and has this very specific menu and they decided it would be a good idea. First mistake to bring Gordon Ramsay in to show off their restaurant, tell everybody how good the food is to get the Yelpers off their back. They're standing there going, all the Yelpers are stupid. They don't know good food when they taste it. And uh, so they invite Gordon. They actually said they invited Gordon Ramsay there to um, tell everybody how good the restaurant is and everybody on Yelp is stupid. And that was the interview pre-show. Now, they also got some footage before uh, he showed up. And the place was run like crazy. I mean, the, um, the husband was, uh, the only one that could handle the register cause he trusted nobody. He was the only one that could put in the orders. He was the only one that could take the money. And, uh, that was it. Okay. I can kind of see that I've worked with people who don't trust their employees before the wife ran, uh, ran the, uh, kitchen side and, they had customers send food, uh, send food back. They said, "This, I don't like this. This is horrible. Send it. Uh, I, I can't eat this." And all the husband would do is throw, throw it in the garbage can and not inform the wife. I can probably guess why he was avoiding an argument because his wife 
said in the show that she believed that her cooking was a gift from God. She is an excellent cook. I'm not going to go get into the age gap or how they met that because that's pointless and frivolous, but that was her attitude. The biggest mistake I think that restaurant made in my personal opinion is that the wife would get on Yelp and strike back at every single bad review that she had telling them that they don't know shit about food. They uh, don't have any taste. She would, she would attack every single person that said anything negative about her restaurant. Huge, huge, huge mistake. And she wouldn't take any of the customer's comments to heart. I mean, even if they were specific in, you know, the pizza dough was raw. Uh, I can't, uh, I couldn't eat there. I mean, there are, there are Yelpers on, uh, out there that, uh, you know, like to talk down about a restaurant just because they're bored. You know, that's, that's just the way it is. And, uh, she, uh, went on there on the attack. And like I said, that's why they invited Gordon Ramsay. Now, Gordon Ramsay tried out the food and, uh, he actually started saying, this is terrible. This, this is undercooked. This is overcooked. And he pointed it out to the camera. Look at this dough. It's raw right in the middle. And, you know, I can't eat this. And then he starts talking to the servers. The servers are working their ass off. Uh, and he's, uh, he finally gets fed up and he goes, okay, I'm going to help you guys. Uh, we're, uh, I'll come back in a few, uh, in a few hours and we're going to straighten this out because this is a mess. The husband was th- just throwing away the food and not informing, uh, informing his wife that it was undercooked, overcooked, be- uh, mostly because she was pretty touchy. And she won't admit that. I watched another interview with her after the fact, and she she said, "We are not on the attack. We uh, we uh, we uh, don't blame uh, we don't uh, blame anybody uh, except." All of these people are talking bad about us. And I was just like, you're there. She's like, I'm not in retaliation. And well, you're on the news attacking all the people that attacked you. Yeah, you're in retaliation. But this woman was learning nothing about uh, how to cook or anything like that. She just went by the Holy Spirit and just assumed that God was guiding her hands to make a half-cooked pizza. At one point in the show, they even fire one of the servers as she's there because she questioned one of the dishes that was going out. And uh, she was like, is this the pasta? And uh, the, the cook said, yes. And she goes, are you sure? And that pissed off, the, uh, pissed off the cook. And she says, I'm not taking that attitude from you. You are fired. And she got fired right there on the show. And, she, and the girl was in tears. And she said, you know, fuck this place, I quit. And then round about that time is when, um, when he, uh, what's his, Gordon uh, found out that his servers didn't get their tips. Once again, this problem comes up. And so he goes over to the husband and he says, what's this deal about servers not getting their tips? And he goes, when they well, when they've earned their tips, I'll give them to them. But they need to work harder. And you know, it's just two servers, maybe twenty tables, a couple four tops, a lot of two tops. And 
that's that's a lot for just two servers. And but I've seen it done hundreds of times. Badass servers that, that were able to handle that sort of business on a full house. But to sit there and uh, think he can stand there and judge that they haven't earned it is disgusting to me. Now, how is he judging that they've earned it? If he has to run food, if he has to uh, take uh, take an order, if uh, there were a couple times where they were like, uh, they told him the order, and the order came out of the kitchen wrong, and they said, I'm sorry, but the people ordered it this way. And he goes, no, no, I wrote it down on the ticket right here. And it's not on the ticket. It, because remember, if I told you, uh, remember I told you, he uh, wouldn't trust anybody around the registers. Only he could put in the orders. Only he could take the money. Now, uh, later, uh, he uh, uh, Gordon approached the crowd that was in there that night and said, excuse me, but would you eat here if you knew that the management was taking all of the tips from their servers? And everybody in the restaurant went, no, no, I would never eat here. And, uh, you know, because technically, you know, if you think about it, the management's just taking more money from them. It's, that's the way it is. They're giving gratuity, a present, if you will, to the server for their prompt service. But the management takes it away from them. Their, uh, their reasoning behind it was that we pay them well, they don't need tips. Okay, they're, uh, they mentioned that they paid him $14 an hour. Okay, I don't know when the show was filmed, but right now, I think that's minimum wage, at least here in America. I mean, I, I was walking by, uh, I think it was McDonald's recently, and they were starting, their starting wage is 14 and a quarter. And of course, they had that attitude, you don't like it, you quit, you go work somewhere else. Uh, they had uh, that most interesting thing about it is Gordon managed to get information from the employees and past employees that in six months they went through, no, maybe it was a year. Uh, in one year, they went over, went through over 100 employees. That's losing an employee once every three days. That is a poorly, poorly run restaurant if you can't keep your employees there that shows that the employees are extremely disrespected. It shows that, you know, they're not doing anything in order to keep that place running because you can't run smoothly. I mean, because you can have two people on the floor, but one person gets sick of the shit. And then all of a sudden you got one person doing 20 tops. Holy crap. Yeah. I would quit too right after that, especially if I'm not getting tipped yeah, because they said I haven't earned it. They later struck back at uh, Gordon Ramsay saying that he didn't know what he was talking about. They make great, great food there. The restaurant eventually uh, went out of business and people were protesting and all that stuff and are, well, not necessarily protesting, just talking shit about him. So they eventually went out of business and they uh, blamed Kitchen Nightmares for uh, them losing all their business. You know, if Kitchen Nightmares didn't show up there, you would have lost your business in another six months anyway because uh, all the bad Yelp reviews, all the people that they cussed out. There, there's even a scene where the guy, guy said, this, is, uh, I, this food is awful, and the, uh, and the husband 
cussed them out and threw them out. Said, never come back here again. And the guys are like, don't worry about it. The food's terrible here. And uh, so, you know, you, you know, just the way they treat their customers, the way they treat their employees, that there's no way in hell they would have kept that thing going for much longer. And they expected kitchen nightmares. The show where the host is known for berating everybody to come in there and save their business. They had the chip on their shoulder that you wouldn't believe. Of course, yeah, the restaurant's out of business, and uh, uh, you can read about what happened to them afterwards. But holy crap! And I was after, by the end of the episode, I was so so disgusted. And you know, I let we let's set corporate aside for a second, uh, and let's talk about the brick and mortar mom and pop stores for a little bit when you're looking for a job. Now. I've done it before when I was between jobs where I've gone to a place that I'm interested in working at and I go in there, have a drink or have a meal and look around, watch how the servers, uh, how the servers work, watch uh, the customers and, you know, see what kind of atmosphere I'm dealing with here. And, you know, if they, if I didn't find things the way I like it, Mostly when uh, ever all the servers had to get together and sing happy birthday, that was a guaranteed, uh, no, I'm out of here. But when I saw something I didn't like, I wouldn't ask for an application. the The whole process is over right then and there. If I saw a manager yelling at a employee in front of customers, I wouldn't even ask for an application. You know, and I'm not saying that uh, uh, that me not working there is uh, was a huge blow to their business. No, I'm not that cocky. But for my own sanity and self-respect, I you know decided those are the things that I don't want when I work in a place. True, I was dead broke at the time, and I shouldn't have been choosy. But you gotta you, know, you gotta keep your pride. You gotta uh, keep your self-esteem. And when you see things like that, uh, uh, like a, a manager berating a server right in front of all of your customers, uh, that's not a place you want to work. Trust me. So go check out the place first before you uh, take an application. Secondly, if you have the opportunity, talk to the employees that are there. Uh, I mean, granted, a lot of them are probably pretty busy, and so you can't get into a deep conversation about what it's like to work there, what the, what the pay is, are there any benefits, uh, Do you get uh, what's the tip situation like. You can't get too detailed in it, but you can ask a few key questions that interest you the most. I mean, uh, what's the atmosphere like? Maybe you can ask about the tip situation. They won't give you a uh, number where, uh, if at least they shouldn't, give you a number where they sit back and say, well, I make about $75 a night for a dinner shift. Um, Don't expect that kind of answer. But if all of a sudden you hear things like, uh, we don't get tipped here, um, you should actually start thinking about why. Why is the reason they don't get tipped? And uh, so, you know, look around and, you know, uh, do they have signs up that say, say, please don't tip the server? Or, or don't, please don't tip the bartender or whatever. Uh, you know, just, you know, look around, see, uh, and 
uh, actually, if they say we don't get tipped here and you get your bill, say you put it on your card and you don't see a tip line on there, so you decide to throw five bucks in uh, inside the envelope anyway and, uh, you know, see what happens. And uh, because that thing, I heard even California uh, has put into law that um, these uh, that restaurants cannot withhold tips from their servers. I'm going to uh, research d- deeper into that and let you guys know about that a little bit later. But the uh, but the fact that those restaurants that were on Kitchen Nightmares, they actually took away the tips and said, no, these are ours because you didn't do a good enough job. Um, that takes away the incentive built in for the customer to ensure prompt service. Now, remember, people, I just want to recap real quick. This is just what's happening happening in America. I don't know what's happening in Canada, Spain, Portugal, Puerto Rico, Japan. Well, Japan, you don't tip at all. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on anywhere else in the world. This is just what's happening in America. And the third piece of advice I'm going to give you when you're looking for a new job, the part where the manager says, do you have any questions? I encourage all of you, if you're at a mom and pop, you know, if you're working, uh, going to work at a corporate place, forget it. Don't, you know, don't, you know, don't pay attention to this. You can ask whatever questions you want. Uh, you can even ask them what are their stipulations on capes while you're serving. You know, ask them whatever you want. But if you're working at a mom and pop uh, store, I suggest you ask questions like, "How long has this business been around? How long have you been doing this?" And they they give you an answer. Uh, Ask about their history, uh, uh, you know, the history of the restaurant. Uh, you don't probably, they'll probably take a little bit of offense if you start saying, how long uh, have you been in the restaurant industry? Is this your first restaurant that you've ever owned? They might take a little offense to that. And ask them about the atmosphere. Ask them about what it's, uh, uh, the what your servers are like. And, you know, if, if they say, oh, yeah, everybody gets along, everybody's family. You know, like I said, you already checked out the place. You came in there, you sat down, you ate, and you watched everybody. You see if they lie to you. I mean, if you notice that none of the servers uh, talk to each other, period, uh, if you notice servers in the corner, well, servers in, uh, when, when they're all fighting over the computer to put their orders in, yeah, there's going to be some swearing. There's going to be a little bit of pushing around. But uh, if you notice things about the servers that uh, give you a red flag uh, and they all of a sudden lie to you, maybe it's maybe you should think about working somewhere else. Now, desperation calls for desperate measures. Now, me, myself, at one time, I did take a job just because I needed a job. I was broke. It was super hard to find a bartending job at the time. And... So a friend of mine, my friend Shannon, she's been on the podcast. Uh, she pointed, she actually pointed me. She got a call from a friend of hers who said, "Hey, we need a bartender. Are you free?" And she said, "No, but my friend Anthony is." And he says, "Great, send him over." And I bartended for one night, and then they offered me a job that after the shift was over. And I was like, "Hell yeah, I need a job right now, bad." And uh, the when I went to uh, went to work there, I did not check the place out before I got there. The restaurant 
had a history of the cops waiting across the street for drunk people to come out. And so people didn't want to drink there anymore. And there were OLC uh, Liquor Control Commission uh, rules put on them saying no multi-liquor drinks. So Long Island's, AMF's, uh, all, all anything with more than just a mixer and a spirit were out of the question. No shots either. Those all should have been red flags, but I needed the job. My customer base, I had an average of six to eight people during my shift. Majority of the time, I was sitting on the table watching Comedy Central. And this being back in 2001, 2002, I was only getting paid $6 an hour. Uh, no, I don't even think it was that. I think it was four seventy-five. That was the minimum wage back then. And I tried to keep the, keep the bar open. I mean, when all of a sudden I realized that I was alone between 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock, I was like, this is ridiculous. I cannot do this anymore. And then I, that's pretty much when I decided, okay, it's time to leave uh, the bar industry because I can't. I went, I went around all over the place. Nobody was looking for bartenders at the time. And, uh, and I didn't want to work there. I was making no money. I was having, uh, I was beyond having trouble paying my bills and I was getting no customers. I was making no tips. All I had was my 475 an hour, uh, paycheck. And, uh, and also the guy didn't pay overtime and I covered shifts all the time. And, uh, the guy was also late bringing the paychecks to work. I worked there a total of three months until uh, a good friend of mine hooked me up with a server position at a restaurant back in the town where everybody knew me and everything was much better. And I knew the customers. I knew the atmosphere. I was already friends with the servers. I was already friends with the cook. And getting to know my boss, my boss was the shit. Uh, you know, Brad, wherever you are, you were the shit. But the job I had before that, the uh, before working at the uh, worst job I ever had in my life. The first real bar I worked at uh, was owned by a family. They had owned, already owned one bar that went under, and they still had trouble realizing how a bar is run. I look looking back on it now. And, I mean, things like uh, I look at, the, I look at the, the bar, I look at the bottles, and I see, how come I don't see Jack Daniels behind here? And they said, oh, we got Gentleman Jack. It's way better. And pretty soon I'm getting behind the bar. Shannon and I are getting requests from everybody saying, please get regular Jack Daniels in here. I really don't like Gentleman Jack. It was a fight for us to bring regular Jack Daniels into the bar. All because of the prom queen daughter uh, deciding that it, uh, that what she liked was what the customers should want. Now, I'm not saying Gentleman Jack uh, uh, was was bad or anything like that. I mean, it's a upper shelf version of Jack Daniels made differently. Uh, I'm not sure why just people preferred the regular black label Jack Daniels. And we had to serve the customers, give the customers what they want, you know, but overall, what I'm trying to tell you guys here on this particular episode is to investigate where you're about to work. Don't just go through the one ad, see that there's bartending position open, walk in, fill out an application, walk out and wait for a phone call. Go in there, check it out. Because uh, that, that's what I've done in uh, most of my serving jobs post 
uh, working in that one shitty bar for three months. I went, uh, even before that, uh, uh, before I was insanely desperate to get a job, I went to from bar to bars, just sat there, checked it out for a little bit. Okay, this is a corporate place, but everybody's got smiles. Servers are joking around with each other. That's cool. Uh, you know, and so, yeah, maybe this would be a place that I'd like to work. Okay, give me an application. Uh, you know, that's, you know, do some investigative work before you go in there. And that way you don't get stuck working for those people on Kitchen Nightmares. I mean... Uh, Gordon Ramsay even walked out of that second restaurant I talked about saying, there's nothing I can do for these people. I cannot help them. They're not listening. They think they're right on everything. There's nothing I can do. And he gets in his uh, expensive Cadillac and drives off. And, you know, you know, cause you want to work in a place that uh, you feel good about. You want to work in a place where you feel like, Uh, Your servers are family. You know, you're happy to work with whoever you're working with. I mean, the people that I follow on TikTok and Instagram, they, uh, uh, Christina, uh, she was on episode 217. When I see her and her, uh, uh, I I don't know, uh, does she refer to her as a bar sister or something like that? Anyway, uh, her bar partner, uh, both of them, they look like they're thrilled, best friends. Actually, they they do post constantly because it was Christina's birthday re- recently. Um, they do post on their my work bestie. That is that makes it worth it going to uh, work every day. Well, it's just like when Shannon and I worked together. She was my work best friend. I was always happy when on the shifts that I got to work with her. When I worked with Barb, uh, she was on the show too a while back. It was a thrill to work with her behind the bar. And, you know, that's the type of atmosphere you want. If you walk out of work and you're pulling your hair out and you're stressed out and or you look at the uh, look at the timesheet and realize that you, uh, you hate everybody that you are about to work with, time to think about getting another job. It's time to start investigating. Time to start your uh, start your own uh, uh, kitchen investigative service work to see if this is the place that I want to work. I mean, uh, if, you know, because some people aren't the type that would uh, work in a heavy metal bar. Some people aren't the type, like me, that would I would, wouldn't work in a country western bar because I'm not a big fan of country music. And after a while, it would, bear, it would be like drill, uh, power drill to my temple. You know, but that's just me. There, you know, you, there are a lot of people out there that would prefer to work in a country western bar. There are a lot of people that prefer to work in a nice, dark, dingy hole in the wall. Uh, and you know that. And personally, that's my uh, that's my wheelhouse. I would prefer to work in a dark hole in the wall that has a pool that's lit by mostly the pool table light. And because those places are always more, uh, most fun for me. But do your investigative work before you get a job. Otherwise, you're going to end up uh, looking for another job in three months anyway. So you might as well get the footwork out of the way. Find, uh, get a feel for the place. All you have to do is be a customer, and you will know everything that you need to know. Anyway, that's just me getting on my soapbox, everybody. So uh, if you can 
take my advice. You can uh, laugh at some of the stuff I talked about. Yeah, just I. Uh, that's just my two cents on uh, how you should look for a job because nobody, absolutely nobody, should be berated in front of customers. Nobody should be have their tips withheld just because that their boss doesn't think they've earned it. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that if they uh, they put it into the computer, if he put it in, as an employee number, that those people were still paying the taxes on those tips. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, people, it is last call. Last call for alcohol. Uh, you know, uh, get up to the bar. You know, oh, oh, shit, I forgot to do a drink special. Uh, I guess, uh, give me a second. Okay, I'm going to go uh, resort here. I, I took a long pause there, but I edited it out. Uh, I had to go to my good buddy Tyler mixed up with TGM. Um, I actually learned about this drink all because of the interview I did with Leah. Uh, Leah. Le- no, it's Leah. I, I kept getting it wrong in the podcast. It's Leah. She talked about this shot, and I had uh, I decided to contact Tyler and find out what this uh, what this shot was all about. And she, because if you remember, she talks about a Jaeger mustard shot. And I was like, Jaeger and mustard? What? So I contacted Tyler and said, what is this about? And he said, it is called the Mast Have. The Mast Have is a cocktail that is uh, born in a small living room size bar in Germany. At the bar, you go in and tell them that you dislike and uh, tell them what you dislike tell them uh, uh, yeah at the bar you tell them uh what you dislike and they make a drink for you f- uh from it it's a fun concept because usually the opposite w- it's the opposite way around this drink contains rye jaeger ketchup mustard lime juice apricot brandy and salt and pepper i'm assuming you put that all over ice shake the shit out of it and serve uh uh Tyler continues, I knew everyone on the team pretty much all disliked Jaeger and they and knew they all practically had Jaeger and mustard on hand, so I put up the challenge. Leia took it up like a champ. Honestly, it's not uh, that bad. The Jaeger practically takes over the shot or takes over the drink. But the must-have is more of a sweet, salty combo. So, yeah, you heard me, people. Uh, the mast have is a Jaeger shot. It contains rye, Jaeger, ketchup, mustard, lime juice, apricot brandy, and salt and pepper. Uh, please, people, go out there and try that. And uh, tell me what you think about it. Contact me on social media, all the uh, all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, TikTok, all of those at Hey Bartender Podcast, or leave me a message on anchor.fm. Just look up Hey Bartender Podcast and hit the message button. And let me know what you thought of that because it sounds questionable to me. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, coming from Leah and uh, Tyler, it can't be all that bad. I, they're uh, very reputable, in my opinion. God, I hope I use that word reputable, right? Anyway, but you can't have that shot now because it is last call, last call for alcohol. I like to thank everybody for listening to Hey Bartender Podcast, all of my supporters. Uh, if you want to be on the show, contact me on social media, all of them at Hey Bartender Podcast, or you can email me, dude at Hey Bartender Podcast. 
uh, I'd love to hear your stories. I'd love to see where you came from and how, uh, how things are going for you and talk about goals for the future. Cause that's a lot of fun. New episodes every Saturday that, um, and you get the random episode dur- during the week every once in a while, but, uh, guarantee I bring on a new guest every Saturday and, uh, you know, it's, uh, St. Patrick's Day tomorrow, so everybody remember, drink responsibility, and remember to brush your teeth and get the green out of your mouth before you go to work. Big thanks to Laura Hope and the Arctones for letting me use their song, uh, Dr. Bartender, for my theme song. Go check them out on Spotify, uh, Apple uh, Apple Music, wherever you download your music. Go check them out. They're fucking awesome. and They got tons of songs out there. You just got to hear them. Also, remember to visit cwspirits.com. They have a wide selection of liquor that you can uh, buy online. And not to mention the cocktail, what what are those things? Cocktail caviar. Yeah, that's what it is. Cocktail caviar. It's the big thing right now that a lot of bartenders are experimenting with. Be one of those bartenders that experiments with it. You can get it on cwspirits.com. Remember to use promo code HEYBARTENDER. Five. That's Hey Bartender Five at checkout and get five percent off your entire order. But anyway, people, that's it for Hey Bartender Podcast. Thank you for listening to this random episode. And as always, I wish you all lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And remember, don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. I think I need another drink. What do you mean it's let's go? I just got hit!